This is your host, Dale Josie, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Aging with Grace 55+, plus, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This podcast series is made possible by AARP Kentucky, DPL Financial Partners, and Today's Transitions Magazine. For more information, visit todaystransitions.com to read articles that can help you navigate your own transitions. Past episodes of Aging with Grace 55 Plus can be enjoyed on my website, awg55.com, Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. In this special episode, Charlotte Whitaker reflects on her tenure as immediate past president of AARP Kentucky. According to Scott Wegeness, Associate State Director for Communications and Outreach for AARP Kentucky, the state association couldn't do what it does without committed volunteers like Charlotte and the team she is leading to the state capitol on Thursday, February 23rd. In the final segment of today's ep- of today's program, the Did You Know segment, the question is, what do you do after 10,000 failures? This inventor, born in 1847, said you are simply moving closer to your goal by eliminating solutions that wouldn't work, eventually discovering a successful solution that changed the world. That said, let's get after it. Meaning, welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Aging with Grace 55+. I do a lot of reading and uh, before we, as we get into our show for today. And uh, one of the interesting articles that came about, just, uh, you know, just always just ton of stuff to read, right? And, you, and you're curious about life. You're curious about things that we touch and use, certainly as I am. And I'm, I'm not, don't think I'm alone in that. But the other day we were at dinner and, uh, you know, the table napkin, right? The simple table napkin. You know, why do we use, what was the origin of them? So um, this article I was reading, really fascinating. It was talking about how uh, napkins tape that we use at, while eating actually goes back to uh, the Romans. The, the ancient Romans used lengths of cloth called mappa, M-A-P-P-A, mappa, which was always at the edges of eating couches to protect the furniture. And then, because, you know, the Romans, they would be like reclining and eating and whatever. And so they had this map of there to kind of wipe their mouth and to protect the edges of the furniture. In the early Middle Ages, people tended to wipe their hands and mouth with a tablecloth. So the French began putting smaller cloths on top of the tablecloths for guests to use. And so that the large tablecloth obviously wouldn't have to be changed so frequently. So can you imagine, you know, you're, you're finished eating, you got a little dab of food in the corner of your mouth. Just use the tablecloth to wipe your mouth. And so the French said, oh, no, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> we're going to use smaller cloths to dot your mouth as you're eating. As you're eating. So the, the, but then by the, by the Renaissance period, the standard large napkin for table use was still extremely large meant for people who ate mostly with knives and fingers. So you still had this ta- you had this napkin, but it was huge, right? Uh, because you didn't have any forks until they became common during the 17th and 18th century. Then people began to value neatness in dining, so greatly 
that they often didn't use a napkin at all. Or if they did, they tried to keep their spot where they're eating without keeping it spotless, I guess, right? Because you got your you got your forks finally in the 17th and 18th century versus using knives and fingers prior to that. So eventually, during the period of the Renaissance, 30-inch by 36-inch napkins became standard. 30 inches by 36 inches. So that's like, what, three feet? So you got a 30-foot by 36-inch uh, piece of cloth there to wipe your mouth. And so, of course, as dining became more formalized, so did the use of these napkins that measured 30 inches by 36. So going back to the French again, they created an etiquette guide for using napkins, calling it ungentlemanly to use a napkin for wiping the face or scraping the teeth. <laughs> Or most vulgar, check this out, you never blow your nose in it. Like, like who would do that? But unfortunately, I've actually seen people cough and sneeze into napkins. That's just disgusting, right? So don't do that. <laughs> and then finally, this, uh, this uh, etiquette guide said that diners should not unfold their own napkin until the person of highest rank had unfolded his or hers. And then finally, in, the, in medieval China, Paper napkins, smaller paper napkins, arrived in the West in the, in the early 20th century. So we have, for napkins, we have the French to thank for actually introducing the napkins, 30 by 36 inches. And then the, in medieval China, they were using paper napkins, which originated to the West in the early 20th century. And now, you know, when you go to dinner, you pick up that napkin, you can actually impress your guests with saying, did you know the origin of napkins? Well, that's we now know that as part of today's trivia. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did reading that article and sharing it with you. And now to our first guest for this episode of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, Charlotte Whitaker. In this episode of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, we're so pleased to Welcome Charlotte Whitaker to our program. Charlotte is a volunteer leading the AARP Kentucky Executive Council. Her countless hours volunteering has changed Kentucky for the better. She has friends and colleagues across all parts of Kentucky, and her reach extends far beyond the borders of her home in Ohio County. Without further delay, Charlotte Whitaker, welcome to Aging with Grace 55 Plus. How are you? I'm well. I'm looking forward to 2023. Uh, it's interesting. We have a lot of new volunteers this year, and that just shows the interest that has been created by, <clears throat> excuse me, ARP Kentucky. You know, yeah. they maybe they've turned 65 and they need to um, advocate a little bit for themselves for Medicare and Social Security. Well, you know, that's part of your uh, one of the one of the good things about your tenure as president of Kentucky AARP is certainly the grassroots volunteers, which I understand you could also be leading uh, on AARP day at the Capitol on the 23rd. Is that correct? Yes, that's that's always a big day. You know, we had to stop that for a few years with COVID. But, you know, I've probably been doing this for about 20 years and a mm -hmm. lot of good memories. And I think we we touched a lot of legislators with our stories. You know, we like to tell our story. You don't find those stories in the Capitol at the Frankfurt. 
you find those stories in rural Ohio County for somebody that's needing a, a caregiver or a hot mm-hmm. meal, you know, that's where the stories are. Well, as part of the stories, that's that's going to be a beautiful testament, I think, to you uh, as your as president of uh, Kentucky AARP. That's going to be part of your tenure, part of your legacy, because my understanding is you are retiring from that post. Is that correct? That is that's correct. To be seven years, and uh, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful seven years, mainly because of the friendships I've made, and and uh, you know, I want to thank the lives that I have touched and changed. Mm-hmm. Well, you've certainly touched a lot of lives, Charlotte, and you certainly changed a lot of lives, given the port, given uh, part of your uh, tenure includes supporting uh, lowering prescription drug prices for diabetics, uh, delivering enhanced home and community-based services. You pushed to protect Medicare and the Social Security benefits that we've earned. That is amazing what you have done, madam. Well done. Kudos to you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it, it's it's when you're there that you really understand uh, how important these services are and that you do not want to want them either deleted or reduced. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't let that happen. No, you cannot let that happen given the numbers of, uh, me- of uh, Medicare and Medicaid recipients and social security recipients in Kentucky. And I think that was part of why you won the, uh, and one of the, one of the winners of the annual Andrus awards. That was part of your, of the, why you won that prestigious award. What does that mean to you being recognized for your work? Well, we're a team and, you know, I haven't done anything, but working together with others makes a difference. I, I'm not an I person. I'm a we person. Mm, that's and, so good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just uh, I've just surrounded my myself with very positive people. No place in my life for negative people. Don't want to be around them. Just don't even want to hear from them. And I, I do hear from them. But, um, you know, it's uh, it, it has a lot to do with the friends that you make and friends in higher places uh, help mm-hmm. also. Mm hmm. Um, Charlotte, one of the people that we're going to uh, meet shortly before we introduce uh, Scott Wagoness to our listeners, um, you know, when you talk about, we, we, I just want to make sure our listeners understand what we're doing here. When we talk to you about your advocacy, about you motivating and being involved with grassroots volunteers. You also hit the ground running when the National Kentucky AARP Foundation gave $1 million to flood relief efforts in Western Kentucky. That was something that really touched you and you went to work. If I remember as we interviewed you in one of our previous shows, how did that affect you and the people in that area? Well, it's just amazing the difference. My county actually got seventy thousand of that United Way money, which was was huge because uh, you know we had uh, sixty homes affected, not all completely destroyed, but some of them. So you know, to to build a house now, a habitat size house, which I told you uh, last year was uh, it was ninety thousand just just for the you know to build it, not counting everything else that goes in one. So you know. Uh, we've heard the great stories of how that money has been spent. We've honored the 10 nonprofit. We did that at Barron River last fall and to say thank you for all your efforts. And it was kind of interesting. One lady got the call um, at an agency in West Kentucky that, you know, she was getting, I think, 100000 And uh, she thought it was a scam. Mm-hmm. And I had all a mutual friend 
to call her and say, listen, this is not a scam. Your agency's going to get a hundred thousand dollars. So, <laughs> so uh, that was one of the, the good stories about all this, but you know, it, it does, it does sound too good to be true. And <laughs> people, you know, yeah. but uh, he has taken that money and done well. Jill Collins, who has been on one of these with me, you know, her stories of building ramps and, she furnished one whole apartment with furniture. You know, it just goes on and on, the good uh, stories. And, you know, we we said up front, whoever gets this money has to be transparent, you know, and they have to be in the helping people business. And we gave this money to 10 great nonprofits. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, uh, when you talk about the good stories, uh, you know, I understand in 2015, you were delivering meals in an ice storm. I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> slip, were you slip sliding in a way, Charlotte? <laughs> Everything. I was actually queen of the shelter, so it involved a lot of different things. We housed 420 in a school, the only school in our county that had power. And uh, we had the National Guard there as well. But, um, you know, it was real funny. I got a note from a bike rider that stayed there. and We took care of him and fed him. and. He said, um, he was thanking me for the care. And then he said, and you know, we didn't even have one fight while we were there. When you talk about family, you talk about relationships. Uh, Scott has so many good things to say about you, <laughs> and especially in terms of the Andrus Award uh, uh, that you win, you won. So that helps him out. It helps out, the, not just him and the organization, but it helps out the people. You talked about touching people's lives. That is so critical. Well, it, it is, you know, there's there's just so many people that do not have advocates, you know, and they're not able to be their own advocate. That's where mm-hmm. you know, my, my slogan is seniors, <clears throat> excuse me, seniors of today were leaders of yesterday and it's mm-hmm. our to take care of the needs of tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. my core. And, I like uh, that so much. I like that so much. Say that again, because I think that's something I really want people to hear and and, and really take home. That's beautiful, Charlotte. The seniors of today were our leaders of yesterday, and it's our responsibility to take care of the needs of tomorrow. And it's not a Democrat or Republican issue. You know, taking care of these seniors when they need help is just the right thing to do. The right thing to do. Oh, that's so good. You know, that that ties in with uh, Ethel Percy Andrus, who was the founder of AARP. That's, that is the spirit of the award. That's the spirit of the organization. She founded. And it's so beautiful to see generations later, p- dedicated volunteers like you carrying that forward. So well done. Well done, Charlotte. Well, thank you. And we have so many uh, Charlottes across Kentucky. We have new ones that are getting on board with the Lexington team. With the local team, I'm going to meet a, uh, a new uh, leader in Fraud Watch, uh, mm-hmm. Gary Atkins, tomorrow night at the Kentucky Chamber. I'll be there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's these people that have retired and <clears throat> have found their niche. You know, this is what he likes to do. And, and he's making a difference with our uh, Fraud Watch program. I'll give Scott one more chance to weigh in if his audio has been restored. Scott Wagoness, are you there, partner? Good morning, Charlotte and Dell. It's great to be with you today. Thank you, Scott. And we were just talking, you know, about uh, Charlotte's uh, legacy and her uh, tenure as as, uh, as president of AARP Kentucky. And Scott, I know that you, as the Associate State Director for Communications and Outreach, you have some thoughts about Charlotte's uh, leadership of, and uh, volunteerism. You if you, Dell, I... 
I can't say enough, but if you added up the to- total hours and the total miles that Charlotte Whitaker has burned up across Kentucky and the United States, uh, supporting Kentuckians 50 plus and Americans 50 plus as an AARP volunteer, it's immeasurable. I, I have no idea what that would be, Charlotte. Your odometer is 100,000 plus miles. So, and what that's about is what Dr. Ethel Andrus, Ethel Percy Andrus began when she started the National Retired Teachers Association, but then later started AARP. But she saw this repurpose for people after they retire um, to give back to their community, the leaders of yesterday, the leaders of today, the volunteers of today, mm-hmm. like Charlotte said. Um, and that's why, in part, ARP can do so much. And it's a mission that volunteers like Charlotte and the rest of our executive council members and other state volunteers uh, across the country are genuinely building community. They're making life better. They're taking the, they're taking situations like the tornado, the flooding, the ice storm, and and really just every day building more uh, quality of life, mm-hmm. quality of life. And that's what Dr. Ethel Percy Andrews wanted, and she saw a huge value from this body of people across the country who uh, had energy and experience and passion for their community, their state, their city to give back. So, and Charlotte, I, you know, she, we have, we have done so much work and it's, it's been such a pleasure to work with you and we're still not done. We're going back to Frankfurt again, to the Capitol for the general assembly. Uh, February 23rd is AARP lobby day, AARP day at Capitol. Mm-hmm. And we're that we've been organizing these since the ARP Kentucky State Office opened in 2001. Charlotte has been to every one of them. I wow. Suspect, you wow. know, you might have missed one, but it's that kind of advocacy, that passion to to be the voice for Kentuckians as they age, the 50 plus. Who is the champion for people in nursing homes? Mm-hmm. Who is the people that need those? Meals on Wheels, those home delivered meals. Yeah, who is who's out there telling state legislators, "Hey, there's an aging population in Kentucky, and the numbers are getting bigger." You know, that's not news. We've known that demographic trend for decades. But are we ready in Kentucky? Are we providing the services that individuals need in their community to stay at home a little bit longer, where, where they want to be? So, um. The, the volunteer at AARP has a lot of responsibility and we, we couldn't do what we do without you. And that's, that's something that's not going to change. And AARP now we're, we're 60 plus years of serving Americans 50 plus. Now we're engaging, uh, making sure that social security, Medicare remain off the table, no cuts. Uh, prescription drug cost, uh, particularly insulin for diabetics. Uh, and in the Kentucky General Assembly, we're going to be looking at those issues as they apply in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Charlotte will be leading a delegation from Ohio County, about <laughs> 20 plus people on the bus 
that she's bringing to the Frankfurt. Uh, and that's a full day for those folks. They start early, they get home late. Yeah. Um, but it's exciting. And they'll meet with their state legislators, the state senators. Um, we're going to have a rally in the Capitol Rotunda uh, at about 1130 on February wow. 23rd. Wow. Um, because we got to make some noise yeah. to make sure that Kentuckians 50 plus are hurt in Frankfurt during the short session yeah. of the General Assembly. We'll be back 2024. Right. Um, one of the things Charlotte did not mention, and I'll just be very brief, Dale, but fancy farm picnic. That's right, folks. The fancy <laughs> farm picnic. Charlotte is the queen of the fancy farm picnic. Um, we have, I don't know how many times we've been, but it's an important way that AARP is present to the pending yes. candidates, the people that want to take office. They'll remember that they talked to Charlotte Whitaker at the fancy farm picnic. Yeah, uh, and the gubernatorial race coming up in 2023 in Kentucky will be back at Fancy Farm. Charlotte will be leading an even bigger delegation to make sure that the 50-plus voting block, which is huge, yes, is represented is. in some of the issues that ARP uh, will push out uh, during that gubernatorial election period. So, and I have to say, too, there's, there's another side, and you always need to mention it, but the husband. Gerald. Yeah. Gerald <laughs> has also been a uh, volunteer uh, supporting Charlotte and her volunteering. So we thank Gerald as well as Charlotte for all that they did. Nice touch, Scott. Nice touch. And thank you for those positive words about uh, Charlotte Whitaker. And Charlotte, as you said, there's no, there's no, there's no me. There's no, there's no us. It's only you. It's only us together. Yeah. No I, but only us. And Charlotte, what a wonderful legacy you're leaving for our listeners. You've heard uh, Scott Whitaker, uh, Scott Wagoness, rather, Associate State Director for Communications and Outreach, uh, sharing some of his thoughts and reflecting on the wonderful career of Charlotte Whitaker. She is a volunteer leading the AARP Kentucky Executive Council. And as you've heard, her countless hours volunteering has certainly changed Kentucky for the better as she has worked hard to protect Medicare, Social Security, and other benefits that we've earned. Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your service as the former president of Kentucky of AARP Kentucky. Have a good day, madam. Well, thank you, Dale, and have a blessed day. Bye, Scott. Thank you, Charlotte. Dale, good to see you. We'll be looking for you on the podcast which will be on aarp kentucky social media so just google aarp kentucky you'll find us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube well as another episode of aging with grace 55 plus draws to a close i'd like to leave you with the story of someone who never tired of failing before reaching critical success i love these kind of stories right rags to riches if you will down and out but always persevering and coming out on top as our next guest you're about to meet did he was born on february 11th 1847 in milan ohio at age 12, he developed hearing loss. He was reportedly deaf in one ear and nearly deaf in the other, which is very variously attributed to scarlet fever, mastoiditis, or simply a blow to the head. 
He received little formal education and left school in 1859 to begin working on the railroad between Detroit and Port Huron, Michigan, where his family then lived. By selling food and newspapers to train passengers, he was able to net about $50 profit each week, a substantial income at the time, especially for a 13-year-old. During the Civil War, this young man learned the emerging technology of telegraphy and traveled around the country working as a telegrapher. But with the development of auditory signals for the telegraph, he was soon at a disadvantage. To address this problem, this hearing problem he had, he began to work on inventing devices that would help compensate for his deafness, including a printer that would convert electrical telegraph signals to letters. However, in early 1869, he quit telegraphy to pursue another passion full-time. Over time, few years, he began to encounter financial difficulties by late 1875, but one year later, with the help of his father, this inventor was able to build a laboratory and machine shop in Menlo Park, New Jersey, 12 miles south of Newark. It was in this lab that arguably America's greatest inventor found a solution that changed the world. Remember, he was diagnosed at age 12, reportedly deaf in one ear and nearly deaf in the other. Yes, this entrepreneur had an extraordinary positive perception of life that greatly enhanced his ability as an inventor. There's plenty of stories, right, about inventors who quit trying or just gave up too soon or or miners who struck gold just a few feet beyond where someone else had quit digging. But this entrepreneur, again, had an extraordinary positive perception of life that greatly enhanced his ability to keep going no matter what the odds. Because you see, the man that you're about to meet, the entrepreneur you're about to learn his name, you already know it, of course, if you're guessing, but he persevered through 10,000 failures, folks, before arriving at a solution that forever changed the world. 10,000 times he failed 10,000 times. Yep, you probably guessed it by now. Thomas Edison, when others might have hopelessly discouraged after failing thousands of times in an attempt to develop an electric light, he simply viewed each unsuccessful experiment as the elimination of a solution that wouldn't work, thereby, according to Edison, moving him closer, that much closer to a successful solution, which, by the way, he found in October 1879, creating a bulb that used a platinum filament. And in the summer of 1880, and again, following 10,000 failures, Edison hit on using carbonized bamboo as a viable alternative for the filament, which proved to be the key to a long-lasting and affordable light bulb. When he died in 1931, Thomas Edison, who received little formal education, held 1,093 patents. Thomas Edison, with little formal education, had also meticulously recorded his work, meticulously recorded his work, in 4,000 notebooks, 
to protect his intellectual property in numerous endeavors, including beyond light bulbs, creating electricity light bulbs, mining, and iron ore milling. He dabbled in cement, phonographs, and recorded sound, car batteries, and so much more, influencing generations of inventors and entrepreneurs who will follow in the footsteps of arguably America's greatest inventor, Thomas Edison. Well, that's it for this edition of Aging with Grace 55+. Plus. Be sure to visit my website, awg.com, to enjoy current and past episodes. I love those kind of stories, right? No matter what we're going through, persevere, folks. 10,000 times, really, before coming up with a solution? I don't know about you, but I'd give it up maybe after about 101. Yeah, I couldn't do 100, right? I'll do 101 just to break 100. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're, we're, this is it. So please, again, be sure to visit. I just had to get that in there. Be sure to visit my website, awg55.com, to enjoy current and past episodes. Or tune in wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and others. Many guests to uh, many thanks to my guest, Charlotte Whitaker. And to each of you for taking time to listen to this episode sponsored in part by AARP Kentucky, DPL Financial Partners, and today's Transitions Magazine. A quick shout out to Scott Wegenist with AARP Kentucky for connecting me with the always delightful Miss Whittaker. Also, many thanks to todaystransitions.com featuring articles that can help you navigate your own transitions. And also to DPL Financial, which is committed to strengthening financial plans with powerful products that deliver value for advisors and clients alike. For more info, visit dplfp.com. And now, as always, here's my last thought of the day from James Clear, author of Atomic Hype habits. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, writes, good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. So until next time, this has been your host, Dale Josie, Aging with Grace 55+. plus.